0: what's up guys welcome to another episode of behind the mask um i am becca i'm chris and today we are talking all about life after sport and i'm so excited for this conversation because that is the season of life that i am trying to figure out right now so so excited um to have val with us today um and hear her wisdom as it relates to that so val if you want to just introduce yourself um where you're from, sport, what you're up to now, um, anything that pertinent information that you want us to know.
1: Sounds good. Um, so I'm Val Teisinger. i originally from Daytona Beach, Florida. I uh, played at University of Florida uh, 2012 to 2016. Um, I'm now coaching soccer at the university, sorry, Belmont University, um, and I love sunflowers. Very pertinent information.
0: That is pertinent. That's awesome. <laughs> I love that. Is that like your fun fact that you share?
1: Uh, not always, but recently. Yeah, it's good. Someone asked me my spirit animal and I said sunflowers because I couldn't think of an animal.
0: There you <laughs> <know>. That's perfect. <laughs> all right. So we're going to dive into the conversation. Again, talking all about life after sport, continuing our identity series. Um, so we're just going to start it off with the question of that we've really been asking the whole time. Why is it? Dangerous to put our identity in our sport and to identify as I am an athlete. Um, And that's kind of first and foremost how we see ourselves, especially in this season of transition and when things are changing. When we retire as an athlete, and also right now in COVID, a lot of us aren't playing our sport, we're not with our teams. So, why is that? What's kind of the struggle there? Um, And why is that kind of a dangerous statement?
1: Yeah. Do you want me to answer now or, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's dangerous for several reasons. One, um, I think in athletics, we're kind of trained to be dependent on other people's opinions of us, um, whether that's our coach, our teammates, our, our fans, um, even our parents, um, even with their best intentions, I think um, you know, we're just trained to get that feedback constantly of, oh, that was good, that wasn't good. And so everything's black and white um, a lot of times and it's never really gray. And so I think it's dangerous because I'm gonna, you know, leave athletics. And who am I looking for to tell me that now? Is it my boss? Is it my job? Is it my friend group? Is it, you know, um, especially in young adulthood, it's really difficult with parents because they still want to tell you what to do, but now you don't really want to listen. And so getting their feedback, anyways, is hard. So um, yeah, I think it just we look for worth and value and um, just affirmation in a lot of different places when we're not aware of that. Another one that's pretty dangerous is um, just the culture of athletics. Um, I think this is something that I've really um, been awakened to as I've kind of, even though I'm coaching and I'm in athletics, um, I have a really, really sweet friend group that they're not athletes and I love it. Um, And so I think even just going from culture of athletics, community of athletics, you know, kind of into this new culture, I'm realizing, oh, there's a lot of things that I've considered normal that aren't really that normal, like being competitive in everything they don't care (laughs) and it's great. Um, or just the performance orientation where, um, you know, did I say that right? Did I do this right? Did I, whatever. And they're so gracious, which also I think that's just, they're really kind. So maybe, um, it'd be fine in athletics as well. But even in that, I feel like there's always this, like, how was that last performance that I just had, even as a friend, um, that I wasn't really aware of, I don't think. Um, and then I think just this constant, like, striving that you feel of, like, I always have to be doing something. I always have to be getting better. I always have to be learning. I always have to, like, go, go, go. And if I stop, well, then I must be going backwards or someone is beating me or, you know, there's just all this frustration of, well, if I'm not constantly moving forward, something bad is happening. Um, and that's, like, that is the opposite of the gospel, I think, Um you know, he calls us to rest. He's the Prince of Peace. Um, and so I think anything that tells us like you can't stop with this like panic look in its face. Um, I I think that's unhealthy and I think that's the anti-gospel honestly.
0: Yeah, that's, that's awesome. And I think, I think going off of that, like you were saying, so much of what's ingrained in us as athletes is so contrary to what you're saying to the gospel and also mm-hmm. to like real life <laughs> community. But when you're in it all the time, especially, you know, as a student athlete, mm-hmm. you're how many hours of the day are you with your team? Are you practicing? Are you thinking about performing? Like it's so embedded in the culture that we live in and are surrounded with. And then when you pull, it's like a fish out of water almost. It's like, wait, how, how do I live outside of that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Chris, what do you think? I know you have good thoughts on this as well.
2: Yeah, no, I think it's super interesting of like everything we're almost wired to do as an athlete that will make it successful, quote unquote, successful in sport. Um, those are some things that will also help us be successful. We talk about business world, like entrepreneurship, all that kind of stuff in terms of striving but then we forget the rest part. That's the part of athletics. Unless they're telling you to hop in a cold tub for like 10 minutes, they're not telling you to rest. They're like, go, go, go. So it's really interesting when we have to transition out of it. And uh, the rest piece is that much more important because it, like you just can't go constantly. And Becca, we talked about this uh, before and we might chat about this in a different episode. This idea of like striding versus striving. And we use Jesus as an example and be like, like, dude had a, a bunch of Old Testament prophecies that he had to fulfill, and he didn't run to his next appointment, never once. So it's super interesting of where, where we get this kind of busyness mentality, and we have to constantly be doing something from sport. And, but, like, that wasn't our original design. Even when God created us, he still rested. So I think it's super interesting of uh, kind of where, where we get that from. And it can lead into our relationship with God, too, when we try and do things for him instead of just doing things with him so yeah really good
1: okay love that striding that's awesome
0: yeah Val what do you think so when you transitioned out of sport um what was kind of like seeing all these things now what was that what did that wrestling look like for you was there like was it in a kind of an immediate like oh like I can like vibe with this now or was it like A process of like okay like how do I do this and almost like rewiring how you see yourself how you see life people around you tell us a little bit about that process
1: great question and it did not happen quickly at all (laughs) Um, unless you say three or four years is quick which I guess in God's time, you know, who knows? It might be quick, it's soon, whatever. Um, but yeah, I would say it was pretty difficult. Um, I think even now, in the last like maybe couple of months, um, kind of even as I've entered my new community and have really been like awakened to what truth is in a lot of different ways, um, I think I even had these assumptions about who God is that I didn't realize I was, you know, maintaining, where, you know, I might have had a coach shame me for something or, um, be angry about something and communicate to me with this angry face and so then I have this perception of God's face looking just like that at me for something and even though maybe I won't say that on the forefront say oh yeah God's really angry and he's you know distant that's what I'm perceiving and so everything I'm doing is living out of this perception of God just being kind of frustrated with me constantly standing there with his arms crossed like oh, you should have done better next time or like you know something that's just like a shaming coach or a competitive coach. Honestly, sometimes they're not even shaming. They're just really competitive. And um, I think sometimes I've just perceived God that way. And so I think the last three or four years I have really struggled with um, if my friends, you know, aren't there for me or if whatever, I'm assuming, Oh, I must've done something wrong. God's mad at me. His spirit isn't walking as close with me or I don't feel his presence. And so I, I must've failed. I must, I, I need, I need to fix something. I need to do something. And I stop even coming to him asking, God, like, what do you have for me? Where, like, can you fill me up with your spirit again so I can just hear you? Because I'm trying to fix it myself because that's what we do in sport. You know, it's coach, tell me what I did wrong. I'll go fix it. And then I'll get the playing time or the, you know, the whatever that I want. And God's not that way. He's not, he's not going to tell you, okay, this is how you fix a problem. And then I'll be happy with you. Like, no, it's, are you resting in the gospel? And are you coming to me to receive all that you need? Because I love you. Um, and that is so hard to receive, <laughs> honestly, like when I talk about my new community, like they, <laughs> it's just really funny. I think I've experienced a lot of like, oh, you just love me and I'm not doing anything. And it's just, like, I was quarantined for two weeks straight, like 18 days because of, you know, when my roommate got it and then I had to stay quarantined and everyone asked like, how was it? You were trapped in your house, blah, blah, blah. And they just like kept coming over and bringing me things and checking in on me and all this different stuff. And I like, I've recently joined this community and I think it just was like this challenge to me in my heart of like, wow, God, when you want to love me, you just genuinely want to do it. It's not because I've performed well or because I've earned it or because I'm the star player and I'm really spiritual and I'm really close to you. So therefore I've earned your favorite, like, no, he doesn't roll that way. So, um, yeah, I just think. I don't remember what your exact question was, but it's taken a while to, to kind of get to this point. And remember, oh, the gospel, like that is the truth. It's not all these other things.
2: Yeah, no, I love all of that. I think it's only fitting, given though we're all old and retired athletes, that we really brief share how, what that retirement story looked like when we, got, when we decided at the end of our sport that we wanted to or that we were going to just be done with it. So, whoever wants to start. Bex, you want to go first? Sure.
0: Um, So, for me, my retirement started – how long have we been in COVID? That's when it started. Um, Yeah, so I was a senior this year, played softball. Um, And then four games into our season, um, we got the announcement actually – at the, our coach got it in the middle of a doubleheader. We found out at the end mm-hmm. of the doubleheader um, that our season was over, and that was kind of the. It didn't. It certainly didn't hit me until probably a couple weeks ago, um, because in the middle of quarantine, like everybody's quarantined, everybody feels like the world's like turned on its head. But then a couple weeks back, you know, other athletes start to go back to their sport and you know, travel ball starts back up, and kids are back practicing, and, you know, gyms are back open, and that was when it really hit me of, like, oh, like, I'm done, and I'm no longer, you know, I'm no longer a part of a team. I'm no longer a team captain. I'm, you know, and it was just this, like, everything that I've kind of built my life around for 16 years, and then especially the past three and a half, um, was kind of flipped, and you know, making the decision not to take advantage of that um, extra year of eligibility from the NCAA, um, just because, you know, I was committed to another institution for grad work that doesn't have sports. Um, And that was a little bit of a process, too, of saying, okay, like, you know, do I want to go back? Do I need, do I, do I want to finish up? Or, or do I really feel called to, you know, start this next chapter? And, and I kind of landed at i i was ready I was ready for you know the next kind of the next chapter and the next thing God has for me, knowing that it wasn't going to be an easy process you know i wasn't um, it it was as excited as I am for the next thing. there's still that kind of pain and grieving process that comes from ending your career as an athlete but also ending it truthfully it feels like on someone else's terms Mm -hmm. and not really having that it was time to be done you know every athlete has that time when it's like okay you know my I need it's time to move forward into another role within the sport maybe but having it come on March 12th rather than May 20th was like even it's just a couple months but it was like super super hard. And I think that again, that's why I love this conversation. Cause there are parts I'm like, how do you do this? Like how how what does that what does life look like when you're not running to practice and then to a game and then you're going to train and the, like all of these things that have just been so ingrained in me, you know, what does it now look like taking up a different role? So long-winded mm-hmm. answer of that has been my transition out of sports.
2: <laughs> Val, oh, you want to go next?
1: Sure. Um, also, Becca, you know, what a time to have to do that too. Like pandemic on top of it. That's stressful. Um, yeah. So mine was 2016, fall of 2016. Um transitioned out of playing and immediately kind of started stepping into coaching which is kind of like even just knowing my story it's so ridiculous to me like such a god thing. Um, I was not the best person on my team in college. I didn't really play much so for me to step into coaching it felt kind of like a joke like surely this isn't this isn't right Um, and I think it was actually really difficult for me because I kind of got feedback um, that kind of communicated that as well from some other people in sport and Um, Thankfully, I had some friends that were coaches already that really believed in me. And so they were, you know, kind of inviting me in. But there was so many insecurities of like, can I do this? Why am I doing this? This should be somebody else. Surely, God, you have the wrong person, you know. Um, So immediately stepped into coaching. um, But again, didn't know what I was doing. And I think I just had a lot of assumptions of um, what even our staff would look like and thinking, oh, teammates this will be like that. And it's not like that. Like your boss is not your teammate anymore. Um, They kind of are, but it's a different dynamic. It's just, you know, they bear the stress and you don't as much really. Um, And so, yeah, that was really tough. Um, I think it was also difficult because so, you know, graduate 2017 move to another city with a new community into a role that I feel insecure in. And it was just this like, kind of back at what you said you've built your whole life around you know this one thing and I think for me it was almost the reputation that I had of like I'm a good teammate I'm a good friend I have character I have you know whatever I'm respectable and people I'm trustworthy and all these different things that even in college you know maybe my freshman year it wasn't quite there but by my sophomore year I felt like okay like people know me um maybe not fully, but like, they trust me. And that means a lot to me. And so moving into this new city and a new community as a young adult, and just all these things, none of that was there. And I think that was the most disabling thing for me was just feeling so unknown, um, and so untrustworthy, and just all these different things. And so I think it was not just um, leaving the sport world, because I was still in it. And it wasn't just not being an athlete, because, you know, it kind of felt like at times I wasn't an athlete, because I wasn't playing, but like, that's beside the point. Um, you know, I think it was just all of that of like, who am I? Because none of these people know me. And I was basing it all on how my teammates treated me. Like, oh, they treat me like a good teammate. They treat me like I'm trustworthy. Therefore, I must be trustworthy. And for these people to treat me differently, it was like, oh, I must be doing something that is communicating that I'm not trustworthy. I don't have good character, I whatever. And it was just this spiral of insecurities of I shouldn't be here. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm a bad person. I, you know, all these things that like they weren't even true. It was just, these people don't know me. Um, and they, you know, growing through their own things. And so I think that was probably the hardest part transitioning out of sport was not having people have my back. Um, and, um, so I think the last couple of years has been being willing to step into hard things and say, okay, I might not be good at this, but, uh, one of my favorite stories, super random. Um, but it's, um, Samson, uh, where God, like, he beats up a lion with his bare hands. He fights off an entire army with like a jo- donkey's jaw or whatever. And then he's in the desert and he is about to die from like lack of thirst. And he's just like, God, you know, you gave me the ability to beat these people with my bare hands and do all this crazy stuff. Surely you're not going to like let me die now in the desert from thirst. And like immediately God provides a river. And in my mind, I'm like, this is my life. Like sh- you led me through college soccer when I thought, and on my way to training sessions, I was going to die. And then I didn't die. And, you know, like all these different things that happen, like, surely you wouldn't lead me into this role and say, okay, I'll go figure it out on your own. Like, that's not who God is, you know? Um, and so just seeing his faithfulness over and over and over and over again to give me wisdom and give me words and just to be a presence for my girls and just all this different stuff. Um, it's been difficult because if I start thinking like about me, Oh my gosh, I crumble so quick. Um, if I start thinking about oh, what do other people think about me, I crumble really quick. But if I'm like, okay, but God, um, the stabilization is like, like right there. Um, and so yeah, I think that's been the transition out is like remembering, okay, God, you carried me through sport even though I thought I was doing it. Now you're showing me, yeah, it really wasn't me at all. Um, you were just really kind and faithful. And still, it's not about me at all. You're still really kind and faithful. Um, and we're doing this together. And so I think that's been the hardest learning transition for me for sure.
2: Yeah, no, that's really good. And I think it's, it's similar with with my transition out of sport story too, of random context, but it's only a little bit important. It's only a little bit important. So I played professional soccer for three months, but it's really funny when I tell people that because they just act like I haven't played soccer for 24 years, but anyway, not relevant. Um, so what, so like I was still in college, Drexel is weird. We're in quarter systems. It's strange. Nobody else does it. Um, so I had an extra quarter for Drexel that I was just volunteer assistant coaching at Drexel. While I was there. And then, uh, so then the draft comes around in WSL, and I was like, mm, I don't know if I should do that because if I'm in classes, can I devote time to that? And then of course my mentors, my coaches are like, dude, what, what's wrong with you? Like, Apply for the draft. So yeah, of course, apply for the draft. Didn't get drafted. Only one keeper got drafted that that uh, year. And then same thing. Open tryouts come around. It's the same thing. I'm like, yeah, but I'm gonna have to miss whatever if I make it. They're like, yeah, but if you don't try, do it. So anyway, long story short, go to open tryouts. Make it through the preseason. That was a really cool experience playing in the nwsl Sky Blue because I mean, you get humbled real quickly the minute you think you're a good, a good goalkeeper and then you see shots flying past you, it's something. So anyway, long story short, um, was there. It was a really cool experience. Uh, Got to play in a preseason game, and then the next time, coach is like, hey, our keepers were coming back from the World Cup, and they were like, hey, we don't need extra keepers anymore. You guys are are cut pretty much. So I finished uh, Drexel quarter, and then immediately jumped into trying to play overseas, found this place over in Switzerland, was there for three months. Now the whole time while I was there, I was kind of wrestling with um, what happens after that because I gave myself a timeline and I should know better because every time I give God a timeline, he's like, I've told you about this, stop doing it. But anyway, I was like, okay, I have two years before I have to start grad school. Let me just devote that to all this time of trying to play overseas. So it was like, okay, I have time to figure out from here it can be a stepping stone to play in the rest of European soccer. Anyway, but what was wild while I was there was was still very much wrestling with, okay, now I have what everybody would say is, is the dream of playing in, in, in Europe, but, or not in Europe, in Switzerland. Um, but it doesn't feel fulfilling while I'm there. And so every single day I'm there, I'm like, okay, but why do I not feel fulfilled among other annoyances while you're there with just being overseas? So then at one point the decision got made and really it came down to this one question. I, is it, Chris, are you gonna keep playing because that's just something you could do, and you could just say that you were gonna do that, or am I calling you to be there and have I equipped you to continue doing it this way? So eventually, I came home after the season ended, and uh, I was like, I'm done. And a lot of people were asking me and really shocked that I said I was done because at the time we qualified for Champions League, so everybody's like, What? You can't not go back. It's Champions League, soccer people. You guys know what that means. So, but it came down to no, like God's calling me to be somewhere else. And I had a tremendous amount of peace about that. Really didn't have any FOMO just because. And what was wild was the team played Manchester City the next year. It's my favorite team ever. So whatever, only a little bit of FOMO. But um, it's been interesting transitioning from an athlete to a coach, Val, like you were saying. So it's not like you're completely removed from the sport because you just have a different role. But nevertheless, uh, transitioning from not being an active competitor to now, like, coaching the people that get to actively compete. Uh, so I think, yeah, making sure that, um, keeping it at the forefront of my mind, like, no, God has called me to be here. Because the thing is, even if I left, I got dropped into a bunch of chaos. It wasn't like I followed God's calling and then everything was just amazing and, and like, nothing happened. I got dropped into a lot of just mess when I came home. Um, but it was able to be super fulfilling while I was in there rather than sitting on what everybody would think is your peak, is your is your dream playing on Champions League stage. Um, and I still would have been like, um, you're kind of stuck where a lot of professional athletes are once they win a Super Bowl or they win an NBA championship or whatever. We see it over and over again of them saying, yeah, but what's next? That's like Tom Brady's famous words of, yeah, but what's next? This can't be it. So I think it's been really cool watching that transition and had this relationship with God not been here, it probably would have been super difficult, similar to what Becca was saying, because it wouldn't have been on my terms that I left. It would have been on somebody else's terms because I don't have any control over what happens in the professional sports world of, do you get picked up? Do you not kind of deal? So it definitely could have been super difficult and super frustrating, but I think having the ability to root my identity and who God has called me to be and go where he's called me to be, that made that transition period a little bit smoother in terms of mental health, not smooth because just craziness of coaching. And now you have to coach high school kids, which is a whole different story. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, totally. Um, one of the kind of the reoccurring themes that I feel like a lot like we're like keying into um, and Val, especially in you, you talking about your experiences, is this idea of living life, receiving constant feedback and I think a whole nother conversation that that could lead into is kind of this this for lack of a better term, this fear of man idea, and this constantly you know what do my coaches think? what do my teammates think? am I good in, like am I being a good teammate? am I being a good athlete like all of these things that when we're constantly consuming feedback as an athlete and then getting out into the real world, I don't want to say real world, cause you know, but getting into life after sport when that's not always the case. And like, like in some ways it almost like, okay, you're on your own now kid. Like that's kind of what it feels like. Kind of, can you take us through I think both of you have really good, you know, thoughts on this and experiences with this that are really impactful. So, Chris and Val, what do you guys think, like, do you agree that that's kind of how an athlete lives and then outside of athletics, what's that transition like? What is the truth of – where does the gospel come into that?
2: Val, you want me to go first? Sure. (laughs) Um, so my, I do think 100% we live, we were talking about ball is life earlier. Like that's legit how we live. Like our lives are nothing if it's not sport, which is super dramatic, but that's kind of how we live our lives. Um, and then we kind of get thrown into the quote unquote real world with no tools for transition. They're kind of like, um, you play a sport. If you go pro, then I don't know what to tell you kind of deal. And you don't really have people that are telling you, how to navigate the in-between in preparation for what happens if you aren't playing professional sport. Um, and I know as a coach, that's something we, we always, I'm always constantly having have that conversation being like, what happens if you're not going to play pro then what? So I think it's, it's interesting trying to find ways to, to navigate it. And that's kind of where the gospel comes in of Jesus was with us, in our, even when we were a terrible athlete, he was with us at the peak of our game. So why wouldn't he be with us when we aren't playing anymore? So I think it's, um, but we, we almost lose sight of that because we're so wrapped and engulfed in it and we can treat our sport like it's an idol and we just worship that. And that becomes all our life is about. Uh, so I think when we constantly are putting kind of our audience of one conversation that we had, we're constantly putting Jesus in the driver's seat and then everything else, just comes with that, then even if something gets taken away from us, it wasn't, it wasn't ours to begin with. So it's not like we can hold on to this grip of it acting as if we own it when we don't in the first place. So, yeah, I I would say that's, that's probably one of the biggest things that's helped me in terms of transitioning out is I have the privilege to be able to play this sport for God. God doesn't owe me anything. Like I don't, it's not like he owes me my right to play soccer. That doesn't make any sense but sometimes that's how we kind of view it.
1: Well said. (laughs) I thought I was like, retweet. (laughs) Um, Gosh, yeah. Um, You know, it's funny, I feel like as a player, I remember there were moments of my life where like genuinely angry with God of like, I've done everything for you. What do you want? And he's just like, I want you. Like I want your heart and you are giving it to soccer. Like you're giving yourself away to soccer and your emotions and your affections and all that you are. You're giving it to the sport. And if you get it, if you get the thing you want, like you will miss out on me. So like give me your heart and you will have me and you will have the thing that you desire. Um but it's just like, okay, <laughs> you take it, you know. Um, but yeah, I I think um to your question, do we live by fear of man and that? Absolutely, I think we do, yeah. Um, and I think I have like one of our players this past year, I I love her so much. Um, she's kind of been getting wrecked by Jesus in just like a lot of really, really cool ways. And you could just see it this year in the way that she played. Um, she's kind of played in like several positions. We were trying to figure out like, okay, what's her best role? Where does she fit in our formation? All this different stuff. And there was just one game where she had kind of gone through this process of like, okay, it's it's not about what my coaches think of me. Yeah, it does matter. But like, it doesn't matter. Like, this is not defining me. I'm doing this because I love the Lord and I just want to play. Like, I just want to be free and play and give my whole heart to this thing, you know? And so she's gone through this series and we need, you know, if you we're playing a four-three-three. 3 3 we need to flank forward. Um, so you just need to work a lot because we're having you track our outside back, right? So we just need a workhorse at this point, someone who's going to bring a lot of intensity. And we're like, okay, we think you can do the job. Like, go at it, kid. She's like, okay, when she's typically been a center midfielder. So this is a very different role. Yeah she crushes it like crushes it does so well just like works her tail off is bringing exactly what we need and we're all like wow how have we not considered putting her in this role before like this is where she thrives because she's not having to worry about all the different angles like she can just do this one thing because she's a worker anyways like it was just great and so then throughout the rest of the season like she just consistently kept playing well because she wasn't trapped in this I need to do what my coaches want me to do it was okay this is what the role needs and so i'm just going to go do what i think the role needs um which i think is very different Um, i think coaches sometimes we don't even know what we want Uh, we think we do and we're really passionate when we see what we don't want but we don't necessarily know what we want we just want it to look good you know (laughs) um so i think that was like huge to see it happen in someone else's life of her no longer be defined by what we're saying or take our feedback and let it crush her or affirm her. It was okay. Yeah. I hear what you're saying, but it's not going to change who like God says I am or who um, even I see myself as. So I'm going to go out and do the things that you're telling me information wise, but I'm not going to let it like sway me. Um, So yeah, I think like a passage that really um, impacted me in college. And then also like, especially recently is Isaiah 43. Um, And in particular, the line where he says, like, fear not, for I have redeemed you. Um, And I think that line, I've, like, read this passage a million times, and I love it. And that line, I was always like, okay, yeah, skip that line, get to the part where, like, I'm walking through the fire and I'm not getting burned, because that feels like life, you know. Um, But that line recently is the one that's really getting me, because, like, what um, Chris was saying, like sport really does become our idol. And so we sell ourselves out to this thing. Like I'm willing to give up my time. I'm willing to give up friendships. I'm willing to give up the things that I eat. I'm willing to, you know, do all these things in order to perform a certain way, which isn't necessarily wrong, but it's also not necessarily good. Like if someone was doing that for Netflix, I'd say, man, you have a problem. Like you need to get this sorted out, you know, but for some reason with sport, we're like, yeah, give your whole life to it. It's fine. You know, don't see your family for months. It's great. Um, it's not great, but anyways. Um, and so we sell out to this thing and I think now in trying to reorient my mind for like, okay, what is true? Who does God say I am and not what my friends think? And who does God say I am when I feel like my life is consumed by this thing that just pops out of nowhere and I have to go coach a game and I don't get a choice in it. You know, this thing that controls me, how do I surrender all the ways that it's controlled me and let God have those places? And I think that's where the redemption comes is, yeah, like you were sold out to slavery. You were, you know, for the Israelites sake, like you were sold out into Egypt and this is, they defined your entire life. And so now you're walking through the desert and you have no idea how to be free. Like you just don't. Um, But like, let me show you what it looks like when you surrender to me and when you're a slave to righteousness and when you're a slave to the gospel, like it sounds bad to say slave, but it is so freeing because the master is good. Um, and so I think that is the line that like has really just got me in the past few weeks of like renew your mind, renew your heart, like all these different things because I'm being redeemed. I'm being, you know, taken out of this world that I once was so ingrained in and I'm being set free into a new world. So, yeah.
0: That's so good. Oh my word. Yeah, (laughs) that's, that's awesome. And I think it's so that picture of like you walk out and you're like, "Uh, I don't even know. Like sometimes we think we're free just because it's normal, right? Like the world of sport, the world, you know, the world that we live in isn't really living in freedom. And, but it's so ingrained again in us, whether you're an athlete or not, it's ingrained in us until like you're saying, like we get alone with the Lord and we're like, I don't, I don't even know how to walk in freedom, you know? And then he's so good and he's so faithful to be like, yeah, but I'll show you just, just surrender it and just keep walking. And that's such a cool picture. That's awesome. Um, so for the sake of time, as we, as we kind of wrap up this conversation, what do you guys think? Where has your mind been going in this conversation? Big key points, takeaways, you know, what are some concluding thoughts that both of you guys have as it relates to this topic? Chris, we'll start with you and then Val.
2: Um, so I think Val hit the nail on the head when we're talking about like where your identity should be, should be rooted in. Um, Cause it's so easy to kind of get, put our identity in sport and then when we don't have that, we're like, what? I almost think about it like little kids that get mad at their parents and they just run away from they want to run away from the house. And then as soon as they pack a bag full of things that they don't need, run out of the house and they're like, what do I do now? So it's super interesting, like once we our sport is done, regardless, you get cut, you get injured, we have COVID, you just retire. You have a bunch of tools that you don't really need or you take away some stuff that Um, is not going to help you and we forget to take God with us so now we're just out in this world and we don't know what to do and God's like hey remember me I'm back at the house so like I would say in terms of transitioning to uh from out of sport rather is not forgetting who who we're playing for in the first place because that's the that's the person that we do everything for even if we're not an athlete um, and then the other thing with that kind of, I think it's similar to your fear of man question, is it helps us to deal with failure because now we can see failure as an event instead of an identity. Because God calls us to be something, but sport will say, no, you're a failure because you didn't do what, you, what whatever the heck it was, you needed to do. So I think that's probably the biggest thing of um, constantly keeping it at the forefront and reaffirming that for ourselves. Getting around people that will reaffirm the fact that you're a child of God first. Maybe you're an athlete, or no, you're not. You're a child of God first, you're a person second, and then you're an athlete. Because that athlete role can change, but the fact that you're a person and a child of God is not going to. But a lot of times we'll put the athlete role in, in, in the driver's seat, and then we drive ourselves off a cliff once it ends. So like, yeah, so I would say that's probably the biggest thing, and I think I said this in the last episode, I love processes, so I always give you guys three things in a row. So it's like child of God, first, person, second, athlete, third. In that order, No ifs, answer, buts
1: about it. Yeah, and I think, um, I don't remember exactly what you said, but it triggered something um, one of my friends said recently. And we were talking about how, uh, like in Ephesians and pretty much like all the New Testament, where he's saying like, renew your minds, like put off the old self, put on the new self. Like it would be cruel of God to say, stop letting man defy you. And that's it. Like just stop looking for affirmation. That's it. You know, it, no, it's, you can't take something out and then just leave the room barren. Like he takes out, but he puts something new back in its place because like our heart craves that like we need someone to tell us who we are. Cause we don't know, we don't have a clue. Um, and so like, I'm just so thankful that God isn't like, okay, stop looking for affirmation and I'm not going to tell you either. Like that would be him withholding, but instead he's like, okay, yeah, you are looking to man because you know that you need this. Like you are thirsty And you're going to this well and you're hewing out broken cisterns for yourself, but it's not satisfying, but come to me and I will gladly tell you who, who you are, like, you know, all this. Um, And so I think to the point of like, do we, are we afraid of man? Yeah, but I can't just stop being afraid of man. I need to fear God and I can't just stop looking for affirmation from man or my coach or my performance. I need to start looking for it from who God says he is. Um, and it's crazy to me too, because I think, um, as I've been processing through this myself, I think it's not even just looking to God to tell me who I am. It's just who is God because who God is changes everything about who I am. When he is kind, it means I can come to him because he's kind. It's not because I'm worth coming to him or something. I'm not sure. Um, and when he's gracious, like I don't have to not be a failure. He's gracious. So I could be the worst failure in the world and he is still gracious, Um, you know, and all these different things. And so I think it's laying off this need for affirmation from man, realizing I still need to be told who I am. I still need to be affirmed. I still need to be, you know, loved, valued, all these things. But I'm going to go get this from the Lord now because he is kind. He wants to give it. He delights in giving it to us because of who he is. And so letting who he is be everything to us. Um, And it just, I can't tell you what it is, especially through COVID the amount of times I've just broken in front of him and just like, I don't know what's happening. I don't know how to lead. I don't know what's going on. My like, is season happening? Is it not? And it's just this roller coaster. and I just come and I just weep and his kindness, just like, you just see his kind face. And like, that's all I need is just to see his kind face. And after that, it's like, okay, I have no answers, but I have peace. And it doesn't make any sense because I have no answers, but I don't need them. Like I don't need the answers. I don't need to know that I matter and that I'm all these things. You are good. You treat me like I matter, and that's all. Like that's all I need is just being in your presence. And so, I don't have three points like Chris just gave you, but yeah, that's it.
0: <laughs> yeah, totally. I think, I think for me, and going off of that, you made this point earlier of just like kind of the lonely process of learning. Okay, rooting identity in what the Lord says and what the Lord says alone. And honestly, like, especially being in the middle of COVID, like, there are t- like, we're alone at times. Like, you talked about, like, being quarantined. Like, we're alone with God probably more than any of us have ever been ever, mm-hmm. let alone, you know, taking away a sport and that community. Um, and I think I'm reminded, Val, by what you said, and also, Chris, the point you just made of this idea of... God has never changed throughout the whole process. Mm -hmm. He was there when I first picked up a softball. He was there when I tore my ACL. He was there when I started my college career. He was there when I, you know, all of these things, every practice, every training session, every game, every tough, like literally there was not a breath that I took as it related to softball or any point in life when he was not there fully present and fully knowing and that has not changed now that I am not on a softball field. And I think that has been, I've been reminded of that through this conversation of just, it's a, it is a lonely process. It is a, a wrestling out process. But going back to that truth of he has not changed, his faithfulness has not changed. He is not like, oh, shoot, kid, like, you don't play your sport anymore. And like, now we got to figure this out. Like, he is just very, like, he is just, I think, waiting for us to, to bring that to him and be like, like you said, Val, like, okay, let me, like, let me lovingly fill in these gaps for you that aren't even gaps. They're just, your perceived, like, you just don't know yet, you know? And if you knew the truth about who I say you are and who you have always been, there's so much peace in that. And there's so much comfort in that. so, yeah, I think that's my takeaway from, again, I don't have the three points either, but um, just that idea of he has never changed those circumstances. And I feel like I have changed so much. He, you know, the true author and the true definer of who I am has never changed. And the true, defini- the true definition of who we are has never once changed at all. Um, and that has been that is huge in my own transition um, in the past couple months as well. Dang! Drop the uh, mic.
1: Yeah. let's go.
0: <laughs> yeah, this is this is an awesome conversation. I love. I just I love this, and I love that it's so like we're like you know you're talking about COVID like it's lonely. Like, life after sport is lonely, COVID's lonely. But, like, to have you get again to have this community to have these conversations of like real, like, hey, dude, like, me too. Mm -hmm. Or, like, hey, this is this is the wrestling and this is the process and it's real and God's good. And just the community of believers who have, yeah, just walked through it I think is it's just awesome and it's an encouragement.
2: Yeah, I think it's really cool. Um, Like You were just talking about community. I think the best thing you can do for figuring out, for in preparation to transition to life after sport, because we know that our audience might be some high school kids. You don't know. You might be done at the end of high school. Um, And even college people, college seniors that, who knows if you're still going to play because if your season got canceled, you might wreck it or not. Like I think the best thing we can do for any transitional period of our lives is to constantly dive in. Like I was just saying to – who is God? Who's Jesus in that relationship? Cause that's the only thing that's not going to change. Even if like we're in this, uh, we're in a bunch of chaos, right? We can always look right in the eye of that storm and be like, Hey, there's God. He hasn't changed. Um, and we can always be like, that's where my source of wisdom is going to come from. Even though I don't know anything else, I know who he is.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Really good. Yeah.
0: Well, that, for the sake of time, I feel like we could, we could have this conversation. Like, I could keep going <laughs> and listening and taking notes. Um, but we are out of time. So, Val, thank you so much for joining us in this conversation. Um, it, again, it's always a blessing and a privilege to have it. Um, and thank you guys for tuning in. Again, drop comments, questions, DM us. Our DMs are always open. We want to, you know, have conversations with you guys, hear your thoughts, hear your questions and your insights as well. Um, So with that, we will sign off. Thank you guys for tuning in and we'll catch
2: you next time. See you guys next time. Crushed.